Prince Harry and Meghan Markle claim they were victimized in a two-hour paparazzi chase, but the evidence doesn't stack up. Target and Starbucks push the trans agenda, and the debt ceiling inches ever closer. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Fire up the grill on Memorial Day with GoodRanchers.com and use my code BEN for up to 25% off. That's GoodRanchers.com, promo code BEN today. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. We want privacy. We want privacy. Okay, so as it turns out, South Park was right yet again. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, it is astonishing how they chase after cameras while claiming that they are attempting to run away from cameras. The latest iteration of this story is that Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are now claiming that they were involved in a near-fatal paparazzi chase in New York City. Now, this is all part and parcel of the broader narrative that has been presented by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Prince Harry says that he is able to be sort of in a a, a bimbo idiot 'er ne'er-do-well who abandons all family loyalty because the paparazzi killed Princess Di. If you read his memoir, this is his claim, is that Princess Di didn't, Actually, she she wasn't killed by the driver of the limousine in which she was riding, who was traveling at a high rate of speed through a tunnel. No, what what actually happened is that the paparazzi caused his mom to be killed. And he himself has been victimized by the paparazzi. And his whole life is about how the paparazzi have victimized him. Meanwhile, Meghan Markle has been cosplaying as Princess Diana in a wide variety of settings. She's wearing outfits that are extremely similar to Princess Diana at the end of, of Prince Harry's book, she goes to Princess Diana's grave. It's, it's, it's all very strange. Okay, well, now they're taking this to the next step because they've decided that the only way that they can be perceived as victims, because they are not victims, they are, in fact, some of the least victimized people on planet Earth. This is just one aspect of being a prince and then of being a second-rate actress who marries a prince and becomes a princess and then living in California where you make ridiculously narcissistic documentaries about yourself and then get paid by Netflix to do so. Well, now they have to regain victimhood status and attention. And the only way really to do that is to claim that they are being brutally victimized by, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, the paparazzi. So according to page six, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are, quote, extremely upset and shaken after being involved in a near catastrophic two-hour paparazzi chase in New York City on Tuesday night. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who are traveling with Markle's mom, Doria Ragland, were pursued by photographers after leaving the Ziegfeld Theater where the former actress was honored by Gloria Steinem at the Women of Vision Awards in Manhattan, which sounds absolutely insufferable. An event with both Meghan Markle and Gloria Steinem? Wow, I need that like a fish needs a bicycle. The trio left the event in an SUV around 10 p.m. They were immediately followed by around 12 paparazzi, according to page six. This is what they were told. They eventually decided to ditch their original vehicle and jump into a yellow cab in the hopes of evading photographers, according to a source. Okay, so first of all, (laughs) this time. Okay, as a person, who travels with security nearly all of the time. Let me tell you a thing we have never done. A thing we have never done is get from a secured vehicle into a yellow cab to evade photographers. That's stupid. Like, unbelievably stupid. First of all, you're in the car. So if somebody is trying to photograph you and you are in a car, typically these cars have shaded windows. So what? We're going to get a picture of the car or a picture of you getting out of the car and going back to your hotel. Okay, like, where were you planning to go? And and I'm sorry for the whole singing in the rain bit where you're like running from car to car across the tops of buses and stuff, but I don't believe you. The insider alleges that one cameraman hit a car while another almost ran over an NYPD officer during the near-fatal chase. So basically, this is now a, a some, something out directly out of the movies. It started off with 12 paparazzi, then ended up with four chasing Megan, Harry, and Doria, the insider tells us. The insider Suspiciously sounded a lot like Meghan Markle. The security tried their best to lose photographers. Once in the taxi, Harry used his cell phone to record the ensuing melee. We're told security was also recording to gather evidence. Paparazzi were confronted by uniformed police officers, but ignored warnings and continued chasing the trio, we hear. A rep for the Sussex claimed to page six Wednesday last night, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex and Miss Raglan were involved in a near catastrophic car chase at the hands of a ring of highly aggressive paparazzi. This relentless pursuit lasting over two hours. So first of all, two hour pursuit? How long was OJ's chase with the LAPD? I don't think it was two hours. Two hours in New York? First of all, you can't drive more than five feet in New York without hitting a red light or traffic. So I'm confused. How high speed was this chase precisely? Have you been to New York? Like, what are they going? Eight miles an hour and then stopping dead and bang your head against the back of the <laughs> This relentless pursuit lasting over two hours and apparently involving Jack Bauer, resulted in multiple near collisions involving other drivers on the road, pedestrians, and two NYPD officers. While being a public figure comes with a level of interest from the public, it should never come at the cost of anyone's safety. 
One source calls the incident, incident absolutely shocking and says Raglan, who's 66 years old, was particularly terrified by the ordeal. Everyone is still upset to say at least it was horrific, the source tells us. Wow. Just, just, wow. Um, well, now questions have emerged. By the way, this is happening right as the Duke of Sussex police bodyguards were removed after he stopped being a working royal in 2020. And now they are attempting to get the royals to pay for their security again. So this is all part and parcel of a broader attempt to get other people to pay their bills, apparently. So um, there are now pretty open and obvious questions about this. Like, did it happen? And, um, and why would anyone believe them? We'll get to those questions in just one moment first. Memorial Day is coming up. It's a time to honor and remember our brave servicemen and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for freedom. It's also a time when we typically come together as a nation, gather with loved ones, and enjoy some barbecue. What better way to do that than with premium 100% American meat from Good Ranchers? Good Ranchers is not. Like the other meat delivery companies that import a majority of their product, they're passionate about delivering the finest 100% American meat directly to your doorstep. Here's something special. Good Ranchers proudly offers a 10% discount to all past and present service members as a way of saying thank you for their service. But that's not it. In honor of Memorial Day, Good Ranchers is giving my listeners an exclusive opportunity. When you use code BEN, you can save up to 25% site-wide. From tender steaks to succulent chicken, GoodRanchers.com has it all. I know that it's really good because they got me a kosher steak. And let me just tell you, it was an amazing steak. I mean, like really, really good. So fire up that grill on Memorial Day with family and friends. Knowing the meat you're enjoying is not only of the best quality, but also supports American ranchers. Visit GoodRanchers.com today. Use my code BEN. Save up to 25% site-wide. The more you stock up on, the more you'll save during their Memorial Day sale. That's promo code BEN at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers is indeed American meat delivered. Okay, so now questions have begun stacking up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The NYPD, who assisted Prince Harry and Mark with transportation, according to Fox News, shared their account with Fox News Digital. There were numerous photographers that made their transport challenging, said Julian Phillips, a deputy commissioner of public information. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex arrived at their destination. There were no reported collisions, summonses, injuries, or arrests in regard. So we had heard that somebody hit a car, right? And also that, that they almost hit like an NYPD officer. The NYPD is looking through traffic camera footage and security footage to piece together what transpired. Uh, apparently, there is a video that shows the chaotic scene the night of Harry and Markle's alleged chase, but it doesn't show any near collisions. At the time of publication, no footage of the alleged car chase had been made available. In fact, they went and they interviewed the cab driver, a person named Suk Charn Singh, who told the AP he instantly recognized his passengers. They were following us the whole time, he said to the paparazzi, but he said he wouldn't call it a chase. Singh, the cab driver, was on 67th near an NYPD precinct when a security guard waved him down. Singh pulled the yellow taxi to the curb and in came Harry, Megan, and her mom. Now, again, I don't understand the strategy here. I really don't understand the strategy. So security got them out of a secure vehicle, put them on the street, and then waved down a passing cab. They had this look on their faces, he said. They were about to give their destination when a garbage truck blocked their path. All of a sudden, paparazzi came out and started taking pictures, he said. One of the royals told them to circle back to the precinct. They didn't say much, Singh said. They asked my name, and then after that, Harry said, thanks and have a good day. They paid $17 in fare, and uh, they gave a $50, a $50 tip, which is nice. So apparently, he just kind of went around the block. But that doesn't sound like a um, two-hour, near-catastrophic chase involving the paparazzi. According to Royal Watcher Omid Scobie, the paparazzi were confronted by police multiple times as they chased the royal couple who were on their way to a private residence where they were staying. Scobie alleged on Twitter the photographers drove on a sidewalk, ran through red lights, reversed down a one-way street, photographed the couple while driving and illegally blocked a moving vehicle. And the mayor was like, um, I, he said, <laughs> the mayor said, I find it hard to believe there was a two-hour high-speed chase, but we'll find out the exact duration of it. If it's 10 minutes, a 10-minute chase is extremely dangerous in New York City. So, yeah, man, again, the, the cabbie told the, the post that he said um, it seemed like it was um, it wasn't scary. He said it was a little crazy. They were trying at home. But, you know, the, the, the kind of notion he said, he also added, I never felt like I was in danger. It wasn't like a car chase in a movie. They were quiet and seemed scared, but it's New York. It's safe. And now the reason all of this is, is important is because, again, claims of victimhood in American society are the new currency of the realm. The way that you get attention is by claiming that you're a victim. And, um, and I've noticed there are a lot more pictures of Harry and Meghan in the papers than there have been any time recently. This also changes the narrative from the coronation where Harry was kind of sidelined. It also allows for the media to do its job and talk about how American society is actually super duper racist. CNN correspondent Salma Abdulaziz was talking about Meghan Markle and saying it's actually racist. It's racist to talk about Megxit. Right, which is a, a pun on Brexit because it's Meghan Markle leaving Brexit. But that, that's racist, apparently. 
again, I just have to emphasize how huge that exit was and how much it was criticized by the press here in the UK, some calling it Megxit. That was seen as a very racist and sexist way to characterize that exit, pinning it just on Meghan rather than Prince Harry. There was a strong sense among communities of color here that she was being treated poorly by the press because of her racial background. And it's all about it's all about victimhood. It's all about victimhood. And our society has now decided that because victimhood is the currency of the realm, well, you can make a buck off of it. If there's a market, then there is someone to fill that market. Right? If 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 there is a desire for victimhood, a victimhood narrative, there is somebody who is going to capitalize on that. And this is where corporate America comes in. So Pride Month is coming up. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a second, it didn't already happen. Hasn't it been like Pride several years? Every other day is like lesbian visibility day or Transgender Awareness Day, or Transgender Lesbian Visibility and Awareness Day. Or, as the State Department put it, yesterday, the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Interphobia, and Transphobia. Wow, that's a lot of phobias. Also, Arachnophobia. The Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, he actually put out a statement on this yesterday. Quote, on International Day, with the most hideous flag of all time, this is the Pride Progress flag, which just is bizarre, but it's like a now vertical pride progress flag. So it's not like the typical rainbow flag, which was the pride flag. Then they added in all of the trans and BIPOC flags. And then they added in the intersex flag. And so now it just looks like vomit. So Secretary Blinken said on International Day against homophobia, biphobia, which I mean, I I suppose that you're afraid of bisexuals. Not You're not just afraid of homosexuals now. Now you're afraid of also bisexuals. Interphobia. So you're afraid of intersex people and transphobia. So you're afraid of everyone, apparently. You're apparently afraid of like all humans who are who are in any way not straight. That, that, that's the only justification for thinking that, for example, boys can't be girls, girls can't be boys, or believing that not all forms of sexual activity are completely morally equivalent. This is an international day against homophobia, biphobia, interphobia, transphobia, and arachnophobia. We call for an end to harmful conversion therapy practices, including those that attempt to change a person's sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, or sex characteristics. Now, by the way, think about how Orwellian and perverse this is. Again, this is this is the panoply of victimhood. This is the flag of victimhood. It's getting really, really crowded, as you may have noticed, this flag of victimhood. Woo! Super crowded. Well, one, one of the most Orwellian things about this is suggesting that it's conversion therapy to say that a boy is a boy. That's now conversion therapy. So traditionally, what people meant by conversion therapy was there was a kid who's having gay feelings, and then they hooked him up to electrodes and showed him gay porn or something and then electrified him, Right? like tortured the kid. That's what people think of when they think conversion therapy, not like just normal talk therapy, or certainly not. A boy comes in, expresses gender confusion. You say, well, actually you're a boy and we probably should talk about this. No, now it's conversion therapy to tell a boy that he's a boy. It is not conversion therapy to chop off his and add a couple of breasts. That right there, that would would not be conversion therapy. That's gender affirming care. All of the Orwellian nonsense. But again, this is so we can claim that society is victimizing people. It's all about society victimizing people because of their inherent status. Because if you're a transgender person, this means that this is an inherent. It is not you choosing to believe a thing about the world that is not true and then enact mutilation to your body in order to prove it in many cases. No, no, no. That, that, is, that right there is discrimination by society. We have to go further and further. So if there's a market for discrimination, there are corporate interests who will fill it. And they will all get together in a room somewhere. And they will all decide that if they move together in lockstep, then none of them is vulnerable. There is safety in corporate numbers. You have an overwhelming tsunami of left-wing social nonsense that is coming down the pike. You got the State Department tweeting out the Pride Progress flag and then plunking a a Pride Progress flag just outside the Vatican because this is our chief export. Now, it used to be that America's chief export was Hollywood. And Hollywood was an expression of American culture, which was all about, you know, kind of freedom and American can-doism and the American flag and all the rest of this stuff. This was our chief export. In America to the rest of the world in the 1940s and 50s meant cars, Coca-Cola, the American flag, apple pie, freedom. That, that is typically the takeaway the rest of the world got from, the, from Hollywood. Now, what the rest of the world gets is boys can be girls, girls can be boys. And if you don't agree with that, you are some form of bigot. And this is now happening across corporate America. It's being promoted by medical authorities who are lying to, to our children. The American Academy of Pediatrics, which has nothing to do with pediatrics anymore and has everything to do with woke politics, has now issued a guide to puberty it is called Uology, a puberty guide for everybody. And uh, this particular book, again, issued by the American Academy of Pediatrics, literally has 
a section in which they explain that certain people are assigned female at birth. And even though they actually are female, that means that they could still be a boy. Quote, that's why you may have known him in the past as Olivia, David continues, but Oliver is a boy. So that means he's transgender. He belongs in the boys' locker room as much as any of us do. It's okay, said David. Now you know. And in general, not everyone who comes into the boys' locker room will have the same types of body parts. And that's normal. Ah, that's normal. Again, this is the American Academy of Pediatrics writing indoctrinating books for children about why boys can be girls. Chapter three, body part smarts. Here's the deal. When someone looks at a baby's genitals and says it's a girl or it's a boy, that's called their sex assigned at birth because, well, it is assigned at birth. Makes sense? If a baby is born with a penis, their sex assigned at birth is male. If a baby is born with a vulva, their sex assigned at birth is female. But there are some babies born with a penis who grew up feeling like a girl on the inside. That's called being transgender. So instead of saying she, as we often do for kids born with a vulva, we say he, because that's who this person truly is on the inside. This is the crap that they are teaching your children. This is the crap that the American Academy of Pediatrics, a supposed medical institution, is teaching kids. And so this has been picked. Again, the market has been created by the medical community, which is entirely woke, and by governmental bodies. And once that market has been created, corporate America moves to fill it. Now, corporate America is relying on one simple thing. Well, two. Corporate America is relying on two simple things. Simple thing number one. In unity, there is strength. So if they all say the same thing, then you can't do anything about it. If they all push forward with a wall of sound, an unbroken wall of sound, then that means you're just going to have to accept it. Because if everywhere you shop is doing Pride Month, then how exactly are you going to not shop somewhere during Pride Month? You're just going to have to ingest the rainbow cereal along with the rest of it. Okay, so, so unity in corporate wokeness is principle number one. And principle number two is you won't get that offended. Because the reality is, in Harvard Business School studies about this, the left is significantly more annoying than the right is, typically speaking, when it comes to their consumption of products. Or this has been true at least year two four. There's a study from Harvard Business School that I've talked about on the show before. This study found that if you take a neutral corporation, a corporation that has no politics, and you have a right-wing corporation, a left-wing corporation, that the left-wing corporation is viewed somewhat positively by the left. The neutral corporation is also viewed somewhat positively by the left because they assume that it's just a left-wing corporation. A right-wing corporation loses 20 to 30 points in approval rating just for not being a left-wing corporation. For the right, however, the right, doesn't have significant feelings about this one way or another. The right typically will just shop wherever it wants to shop. So corporate America has relied on this. Corporate America has relied on your apathy and my apathy. And the fact that we're like, listen, man, I still got to go to Target. That's what they have relied on. But here's the thing. Alternatives are now available. The entire goal of things like Pride Month, the entire goal of a wave of corporate propaganda on behalf of the Pride Progress flag, on behalf of propagandistic nonsense about the moral equivalence of all sexual activity and orientation, the, the, the beauty of all forms of sexual Congress, the idea that boys can be girls, girls can be boys. This entire moral program that is being pushed by the woke relies on one, their unity, and two, your apathy. But you don't actually have to do that. You don't actually have to do that. So what we are about to see during, and we're already seeing it, is again, corporate woke unity in the, in the assumption that you will remain apathetic no matter how woke and crazy they get. So, for example, Target, right? Major corporation, relies on your shopping. They've decided that it's time to sell products that transes the kids. This is a TikTok video that's been going viral showing that there are bathing suits in the kids section with tuck options. So, your little boy, you're trying to trans, you can get him a girl's bathing suit that allows him to take his penis and testicles and tuck them up under himself. Isn't that nice? Really great, great job here, Target. I'm sorry I chose you again. I just needed to do the bathing suit the last bit. I found the tuck bathing suits, the tuck-friendly bathing suits. So if you need a women's bathing suit and you have a little extra meat down there that you got to hide, you have one option. That is the only bathing suit that I found in the entire store, and it's in the pride section. It's not in the kids' section, women's section, boys' section, baby section. It is in the pride section. It was the only one I could find. And I did have another adult with me checking all the tags so that I didn't have to stay in the store for nine hours. It's the only one. Well, isn't that sad? It's the only one they could find. But Target is, in fact, stacked up with pride progress gear that is geared toward children. They have, they have baby gear that is geared toward gay pride and trans pride. Like for, for small babies, for like kids who can't talk yet. And Target believes 
that you won't do anything about it. That's why they're doing it. They believe that they will gain the upside of the left being super enthusiastic about them. And there is no downside because the right will just go silent. The right won't pay any attention to it. And it's not just Target. And it's not just domestically. Get to Starbucks in just one second. First, are you a finance professional looking for a better way to maximize productivity and cut wasteful spending? Look no further than Ramp. Ramp is a corporate card and expense management software designed to help you save time and money. With Ramp, you can issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. It saves you tons of time and tons of money. The time you save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. So it saves you a lot of time. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 3.5% within year one. Ramp is super easy to use. You can get started in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000 employees. Right now, you get 250 bucks when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash Shapiro. That's R-A-M-P dot com slash Shapiro. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members, FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Go check them out. Ramp.com slash Shapiro. That's R-A-M-P dot com slash Shapiro. And you get 250 bucks when you join Ramp. Okay, so it is not just Target. It's also apparently Starbucks. And it's Starbucks internationally. So Starbucks has now put out an ad for India. Now, India, as you may know, is a pretty socially conservative country. When I say that the chief export of the United States is now wokeness, I mean it. It is now wokeness because it's embedded in all of our corporate product. Starbucks is present nearly every place on the globe, and they feel the necessity to lecture people of India about why boys can be girls and girls can be boys and parents need to be tolerant and accepting of their boy pretending that he's a girl. So here is an ad from Starbucks directed at the Indian market. By the way, this actually has not just ramifications for the domestic morality of the United States, of course. It also has ramifications for our foreign policy. You know what is one thing that people across the world are not interested in? The importation of this sort of crap. They're just not interested in it. I remember I was speaking, actually, this is an interesting conversation. I was speaking with a very high-ranking member of the Pakistani foreign policy establishment at one point. And, um, and this person and I were talking and one of the things this person was saying is, listen, we have some commonalities of interest with the United States. There are areas of crossover, but there's one thing we are not interested in whatsoever, and that is your social morality. We think that your social morality is garbage. We think that you are attempting to corrupt our children. We think that you are attempting to import your libertinism and gender confusion into our country. And so we don't want any part of that. So if your offer is blue jeans, but also transness, not interested, we'll make our own jeans. We'll import it from somewhere else. But that, that is not just you know, members of the Pakistani foreign policy establishment, that's pretty much everywhere. It turns out there's a very small slice of the human population, and it's a weird slice of the human population that is very into this stuff and now wishes to proselytize on its behalf. But if you wish to, it, it makes it harder for us to form alliances with countries based on commonality of interest. Because what they say is, if we let you in the, the front door, we're very concerned with what you are going to bring in with you. Again, the export in 1950s America, 1940s America, 1930s America, the export was we're going to bring American military power. We're going to establish your freedom and we are not going to threaten your baseline level of morality. Because you know what we still believe in? We still believe in like monogamous nuclear families, like the, the things that are the most threatening, are like rock and roll. That was like the big threat in the 1950s and 60s. We might bring rock and roll to your shores and that was going to corrupt the youth. Now, the big threat is we might come in and tell your son that he should cut off his penis. Well, that, that's that's a pretty big threat as it turns out. So it actually has ramifications for how we do foreign policy because who wants to ally with a country that says the condition of us allying with you, Saudi Arabia, the condition of us making an alliance with you, Hungary, the, the, the condition of us forming a more solid relationship with you, India, is that you fly the pride progress flag and also pretend that your son is a daughter. Here's the Starbucks India, India commercial. Is calling Arpit. It's a, an older gentleman calling his son on his phone. And the mom is looking at him skeptically. And she says, listen, don't get angry this time, please. They're in a Starbucks. And he's, he's starting Thank to get you, upset. And here comes the, oh, look, Arpit's a girl. But Arpit isn't a girl. I know, a Thanks for meeting me, Dad. I know it's been years. But you still mean the world to me. Oh, dad's going to give coffee. a warm hug to his coffee. Oh, they're going to get coffee together. 
And then mom is so accepting. Now dad's accepting all because of Starbucks' coffee. Oh, little burned coffee makes you. Your habits haven't changed, says the dad. Three cold coffees for Arpita. And it's for Arpita, not Arpita. Arpita. And he ordered it because he's accepting her name, guys. Oh, so, and the guitar is going to. For me, you are still my kid. Only a letter has got added to your name. He doesn't say the part where the got subtracted. Oh, and the singing. Now, like Sarah McLaughlin, Indian style over here. It starts with Arpit, Arpita. Hashtag, it starts with your name. So Starbucks is now exporting the transness to India. Okay, so again, all of this relies, as I said before, on two things. Unity of corporate wokeness and your apathy. All right, again, another example. Unity of corporate wokeness. Adidas has now decided that the best way to sell female swimsuits is to put a dude in them. Yes, ladies. But I, I, I will never understand how women are not more insulted by this than men are. Men are insulted by this because we just think it's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. Men are not women. Women are not men. We all get it. Women are like, I, I will never understand how a woman is not insulted by a man wearing a woman's bathing suit and pretending to be female. I just, it, it will never cease to amaze me. We are a culture that says that, that cultural appropriation is in and of itself bad, right? You're not allowed to wear a, a garment that is another culture's garment. We're not allowed to do that, but you're allowed to literally appropriate another sex and everybody goes, oh, so here is Adidas, Adidas. Now I have a question. How much of their market is this? How much of the Adidas market for bathing suits is men who want to wear one piece swimsuits that show off the crotch bulge? How, how many? I'm going to go like there are seven people. That's not a huge population. But again, they're relying on the idea that if they virtue signal to the left, the left will be super enthusiastic about Adidas. And they're relying on you not to stop shopping at Adidas. Because, hey, you got to buy a bathing suit somewhere. Here is the Adidas ad for a male in a female swimsuit. And it says, love, unity on the swimsuit. And this is a man. And you can tell this is a man by all, literally all available evidence. Up to and including the obvious and clear biology of this person. The male shoulder physique, the crotch bulge, the whole thing. This is clearly a dude. And this is a dude wearing a lady swimsuit and then sashaying around. And Adidas is pushing that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that people ought to remember. One, the corporate woke unity monolith is fake. It's not real. It's not real. They have this tenuous agreement that they will all go woke in order so that you will just give in and acquiesce. You, you'll have a feeling there's a tsunami that every place you go during June is going to be covered with pride progress flags and gay pride flags and trans the kids onesies and all the rest of it. And so you go, oh God, I can't even deal with this. Fine, I'll just buy whatever. Because listen, I got to go shopping. This is what they're counting on. But here's the thing. It's way weaker than it looks. Way weaker than it looks. And so the right has to make a point of picking a few targets. You can't do it to everybody. Picking a few targets and then destroying their stock. Picking a few targets and then actively not buying from those targets, making clear why you are not buying from those targets. You can't be everyone. And then people say, oh, why are you, why are you singling, singling out this company? Well, the answer is because we can't do all of them. So we will single out a few of them and we'll make examples of them. And we should make examples of them because when we make examples of them, the rest of you will learn not to insult your customer core and not to mimic the worst excesses of the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign movement that insists on the proselytization of a peculiarly strange ideology claiming moral equivalence in all sexual activity and that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. It, you don't have to stand up to every single company. You have to stand up to a few and you have to show them that there is a downside to this. And by the way, it works. So Bud Light is a great example of this. Bud Light has taken it absolutely on the chin ever since they hired Dylan Mulvaney to be a spokesman person for Bud Light, pretending that the best spokesperson for Bud Light would be a gay man, a flamboyantly gay man, pretending that he is a woman. There's, their sales have been down like 20%. In fact, they've been so bad that Bud Light is now attempting to buy it back. It's not going to work, by the way. So Bud Light actually put out a, um, a new bottle. They're attempting to, again, buy this thing back. The way they think they're going to buy this back is by putting out a new bottle that essentially stars camouflage. So they put three bottles side by side for Memorial Day. And the idea here is going to be that you're going to forget that they actually attempted to hire Dylan Mulvaney. The brand has seen a 24% drop in sales versus last year in the week ending May 6th. 
The new bottle is, uh, is a freedom bottle covered in camouflage. And this is because of the brave. Okay, but you know what? You're not, you're not, we, we all see what you're doing, guys. We can all see what you're doing. It is very clear what you are doing. Okay, but by the way, the, the Adidas ad campaign, this would be a great place to start. Like, you don't need to buy from Adidas. There are plenty of other companies. And I understand a lot of these companies are bad. I understand that Nike has, is, is doing business with China and that they're as woke as hell. I understand all that. But it's not about who you buy from. It's who you won't buy from that actually makes a difference to these companies. Adidas issued a press release in partnership with the trans organization Athlete Ally regarding the new women's wear campaign. Quote, our goal is to drive inclusivity in sport, supporting student athletes from the LGBTQI plus and their allies to push for fair access and safe participation in sport. So they're actively pushing for boys to compete with girls. Adidas. That seems like a pretty easy win. So maybe, you know, you're buying some shoes for your kids. Don't buy Adidas. How about that? Just buy from someplace else. And make clear that you're buying from not Adidas. Doesn't matter where else you buy from. Sure, those other companies may be just as bad, just like a lot of people bought Miller Lite instead of Bud Light. And Miller Lite may be just as woke. But by making a point that you are not buying from Bud Light because of the wokeness, you hurt Bud Light. And you are more likely to push people, other people off the point. Here's the thing. All these companies are vulnerable. We are entering a, a recessionary period. Target is about to experience some serious economic pain anyway. They're attempting to enter into sort of the low-cost arena, Target. They're attempting to enter the low-cost arena because people are spending less money. They're attempting to compete with Walmart. There's an entire article today in the Wall Street Journal about Target trying to sell affordable joy as consumers pull back, which means their profit margins are down. Their profit margins, by the way, at these stores are never that high. It's like 2 3 4% maximum. So you can put a serious dent in their profit margin simply by shifting your shopping over to Walmart. And you may say again, well, is Walmart any better? I don't know that Walmart's any better, but I do know that you can say that Target is not someplace that you want to shop if they're going to do this sort of nonsense. And it does have an impact, even if it's a small impact and an incremental impact. So the latest example of that we'll get to in just one moment first. Did you know that our friends over at GenuCell have upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum plus ultra-retinol moisturizer with natural retinol alternative? Right now, you can take advantage of this limited-time package upgrade for 70% off. Why waste time and money to go get worked under your face when you can get GenuCell skincare shipped directly to your door? It works. It's really easy. Here's a GenuCell.com review from Robert in Blessing, Texas. I purchased GenuCell as a gift for my girlfriend. She said she saw the results so fast. Her skin is noticeably softer and smoother. I can see and feel a difference as well. She was already beautiful. GenuCell has made her even more beautiful. GenuCell's Secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types, perfect for both men and women. Made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches, it's always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. My wife has used their firming serum before. She puts it on at night. She feels great. In the morning, she looks better. She, she, she really loves it. My mom has used it as well. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Try GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off, featuring both GenuCell's Ultra Retinol and GenuCell's Firming Serum. Get a complimentary Spa Essentials box with every single package order, plus free upgrade priority shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Also, if you, along with tens of millions of other people, watch Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer, you're going to love Daily Wire's Plus's new exclusive 10-part series with Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer Coming This Summer. There's no such thing as your truth. There is only the truth. And while it seems like we're living in a world where the actual truth is hard to come by, many of us are still actually pursuing it. That includes everyone here at The Daily Wire. That's especially Candace with regard to this particular documentary. It's pretty amazing. Candace found out the key facts were omitted in Netflix's series, so she set out to uncover the truth behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. The end result is coming soon. It's a new series called Convicting a Murderer. You're not going to want to miss it. There's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire member. Sign up right now for Convicting a Murderer. You'll receive an early bird discount of 35% off your Daily Wire Plus membership. Don't wait until the series comes out this summer. The deal is not going to last. You'll also get all of the other premium content from Daily Wire Plus. That includes The Greatest Lie Ever Sold from Candace, What is a Woman from Matt, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson's series on the Book of Exodus. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become a member. See the truth when it finally comes out. Okay, folks, so when there is a pushback against woke culture, woke culture actually backs down. So for example, even in small ways, the L.A. Dodgers have decided not to give a Community Hero Award to an anti-Catholic drag group after outrage and pushback from Catholics. So the Dodgers had originally planned to present the award to the L.A. chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, an organization of men who, dra who dress in drag, queen versions of Catholic religious habits, and claim to have a ministry, according to their website. So the Dodgers actually put out a statement. They said that they still have their Pride Night celebration. Right? Because it's very important that, that we have a night celebrating people taking pride in their... Um, in their sexual activity. The LA Dodgers put out this statement. In the spirit of unity, the LA Dodgers are proud to host our 10th annual LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign Pride Night on June 16th. This event has become a meaningful tradition. It's true. And when I think of meaningful traditions in American life, I think like July 4th, 
Memorial Day, people flying gay pride flags to celebrate who they want to who they want to bang. This event has become a meaningful tradition, highlighting not only the diversity and resilience within our fan base, but also the impactful work of extraordinary community groups. This year, as part of a full night of programming, we invited a number of groups to join us. We are now aware that our inclusion of one group in particular, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, in this year's Pride Night has been the source of some controversy. Given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the Sisters' inclusion on our evening and an effort not to distract from the great benefits we've seen over the years of Pride Night, we're deciding to remove them from this year's group of honorees. So um, they are, are still partnering with LA Pride. They're still doing the Pride Night, but this is, in fact, a small victory, even if it is, it's a victory. Any victory is worth noting. If you can push the LA Dodgers off of giving awards to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, I mean, it shows how far our culture has degraded that they were even thinking of doing this in the first place. But again, these companies are vulnerable. They're, they're vulnerable to pushback. It makes a difference. So don't, don't believe for a second that when you say, I'm not going to shop at Adidas or I'm not going to go to Starbucks today or maybe ever again because they're pushing this kind of garbage, that it doesn't make it. It does. It opens avenues for new companies to rise up. I mean, it's literally why we launched Jeremy's Razors and Jeremy's Chocolates. There are, in fact, alternatives to the corporations that you have been giving your money to. And you should think about that and make examples of these companies. There should be mass movements. I know Matt Walsh has been pushing people not to go to Target. This seems like a good idea to me. I, listen, I love Target. Target's really convenient. But if it means that I'm subsidizing tuck bathing suits for children, not going to do it. I mean, well, one of the things that's truly amazing about all of this is, again, it's being pushed by the scientific community. Right? But this is particularly true on the trans issue. But now there's a new study out on, um, on transitions beginning under the U.S. military's health system. And it found a 30% detransition rate, 30%. That's insane. Okay, so for, first, first of all, first and foremost, when it comes to the trans issue, people on the left are constantly saying there's no, but nobody regrets it. No one. These detransitioners, they're an exception. They're not the rule. They, 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 no, it never happens. These are a bunch of weirdos. Not true. According to the study, again, this was published by PubMed. This particular study shows 30% detransitioning rate. And this is for people who have transitioned in the military, meaning they're adults. Now that we have wildly expanded the number of people who are identifying as trans through social contagion, and now that we have greatly broadened the criteria that allow you to go get trans, you're going to see a detransition rate that is way higher than this over the course of time. Now, all of this has some predictable results, by the way. Those predictable results are not just related to a woke corporate culture that believes nonsense. And again, it's ascientific, anti-scientific nonsense. It also leads to a massive distrust in science itself because, again, why would you trust scientific institutions who lie to you? You have the American Academy of Pediatrics that lies to you. You have the CDC that lies to you. This has some pretty significant downstream effects because it turns out that when you discredit an institution, you get both the good and the bad of discrediting the institution. If the CDC is discredited, that's good in the sense that we all take a third, fourth, fifth look at the data before we acquiesce to whatever the CDC is telling us. It also means that when the CDC is occasionally right, we tend to ignore them. But with that said, skepticism is entirely warranted pretty much anything that is presented to you by, by the narrative, by the narrative crew. And the narrative crew is, again, Democrats, the media, their woke corporate buddies. Speaking of the narrative crew, I have to tell you a story that is not a national news story. Again, the way that we determine whether a story is national news or not is whether it fits the left-wing narrative. So the national news stories are all the ones where a racist killing takes place or an allegedly racist killing takes place or a killing that has nothing to do with race takes place, but the victim is black and the perpetrator or alleged suspect is white. Right? Those are the ones that are national news. What is never national news is an open hate crime against white people by black people. That is never, ever, ever national news. That is a local news story. To take an example from a local place, the, um, there, there was a shooting. It took place in New Orleans, Louisiana, in Jefferson Parish. Quote, is for WWL reporting. The two men arrested for the fatal shooting of Lawrence Herr in Kenner may have been motivated because he was white, a detective working the homicide said during a court hearing on Tuesday. On April 11th, Kenner police arrested a 23-year-old and a 25-year-old for the April 10th murder of Lawrence Herr. They are both black. The victim was white. Herr was 66. He was shot and murdered while installing a mailbox outside a home on Georgetown Drive in Kenner. At the time of the killing, the Kenner police chief said one of the suspects confessed to the shooting but didn't have a particular motive. One of the suspects said they were on a random shooting binge and wanted to commit a murder. We think there may be ulterior motives, and that's what detectives are investigating. Well, apparently, at Tuesday's hearing, the lead detective on the case was asked why the pair targeted her. The detective said under questioning, one of the shooters said, quote, they wanted to kill a white person. 
and wanted to kill a white person. Now, we can all play the game. Imagine for a second the races were reversed here. Imagine for a second, this is a story about two white men who shot a 66-year-old black man installing a mailbox. And then, during the investigation, it turns out that they said, we wanted to shoot a black person. This would be national news. Joe Biden would be talking about it. The families of the victim would be at the White House tomorrow. But it is not a national news story because, again, it doesn't match the narrative, even though, statistically speaking, it is far more likely that a black person is going to murder a white person than the white person is going to murder a black person. Doesn't matter. The narrative doesn't match. I think we've reached the point where the fragmentation of narrative is so broad that it's difficult to imagine how we can hold together as a country because of it, honestly. Like the fragmentation, because data doesn't matter. Reality doesn't matter. Science doesn't matter. And a huge percentage of the population feels like one particular narrative is being rammed down their craniums by the powers that be. In which case, resistance, electoral resistance, resistance in the form of commerce, resistance in the form of use of government power, those things are going to become far more likely. When you feel like you're getting gaslit, you tend to react. And that's where we are in the debate right now. Okay, meanwhile, we are drawing ever closer to the debt ceiling. Joe Biden actually is now giving indicators that he's willing to compromise on the debt ceiling, which, of course, he should. And the fact of the matter is that the White House has been playing a double game. On the one hand, they keep going out there and saying that it's Kevin McCarthy refusing to compromise. And on the other hand, they keep saying we're not even going to negotiate. So Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, uh, he, he has been trying to uh, participate in non-existent negotiations. He says it's just the fault of Republicans. Are you concerned, though, that the president has talked about uh, conceding work rules for people on federal assistance programs? Yes, and I'm going to wait and see what the actual outcome is before I make any decisions about how to react. The absolutely worst thing that could happen would be a default. That would be, I think, you know, we always use big words on television, but I think it's fair to say that that would be economically cataclysmic, not only in the United States, but around the world. And that Speaker McCarthy is playing with dynamite whose danger he does not fully appreciate. And the sooner he puts the pin back in the oh, grenade, dynamite, and we can go back to regular order and behave like uh, the Constitution suggests we should, the better off we will all be. And these people care deeply about the Constitution. Meanwhile, Corinne Jean-Pierre also gaslighting everybody, suggesting that McCarthy is the problem. It's not Biden refusing to negotiate. It's Kevin McCarthy who's the problem, according to our world's worst White House press secretary. I mean, doesn't it make the president look like he's caving to Republican demands by making this last second decision to cancel it after this criticism from Republicans had come up instead of making a proactive decision to do it a few days ago or just continuing on with the trip and telling Kevin McCarthy, you know, call me with an update. I mean, look, the speaker, the speaker uh, put us in this position, right? Let's not forget. He put us in a position where he is taking the American economy hostage. We are, we are looking at a situation uh, where uh, America could potentially default uh, on their uh, on paying their bills, which is something that we have never done before. It's Joe Biden refusing to negotiate, by the way. My, my favorite iteration of this version of gaslighting is Hakeem Jeffries, the House Minority Leader. So Joe Biden is like gallivanting around the globe. He's mostly asleep, but he's, he's, he's being wheeled around the globe and avoiding any sort of negotiations. And he's avoided negotiations for weeks. And Hakeem Jeffries is like, well, now there's not enough time for a debt deal. Dude, why don't you talk to your dude? I mean, go, go talk to Joe Biden. He's the one who's been avoiding the negotiation. And the right and the practicality is that if we, we're not going to solve the fiscal health of the American people over the next 10 years in two weeks, that's what Republicans are suggesting they'd like to do. And what right. we're saying is that we should have a serious discussion about that. But every available tool to engage in deficit reduction, to build an economy, to continue economic growth should be part of that discussion. Oh, okay. So, yeah, well, we don't have enough time. We don't have time. But why? I want, why would this have happened? It does look, by the way, as though Joe Biden is going to cave on this, which he has to, because if we get an actual recession because of the debt ceiling, Joe Biden is going to be the one who pays the political price. According to Politico, Biden on Wednesday left the door open to expanding some work requirements as part of a debt ceiling deal, committing only to opposing new restrictions that affect health care programs. Quote, I'm not going to accept any work requirement that's going to impact on the medical health needs of people, he said, before adding it's possible a deal could expand work rules for other federal programs. Pramila Jayapal, who is reliably crazy, she's the progressive from Washington, she said it was confusing. He said he wasn't open to much more than what we had, that it seemed to leave a little door open. But look, I've been clear, this is a non-starter with us. Well, it's going to be fun to watch Democrats battle it out over their unwillingness to do things like make people work when they are able-bodied. House Republicans were, were asked about... Um, 
Joe Biden saying that he wouldn't accept anything of consequence on the work requirements. They were literally laughing out loud. But he also said um, on work requirements, he'd accept not anything of any consequence. Where does that <laughs> I, I, I don't understand anything that has consequences. This is a senator who voted for work requirements. If he doesn't want to have something that has consequences, he wants to borrow more money from China to pay an able-bodied person who has no dependents, not even to look for a job, not even go to school for 20 hours. Republicans are going to win this fight. And good on Kevin McCarthy. Because again, if he if he prize anything out of Joe Biden's cold, dead hands, that is a win for Kevin McCarthy. In just a second, we'll get to some things I like and then some things that I hate. So before we get to that, I I have a dog. Our dog is very cute. His name is Happy. He is a Havanese. He is really sweet with the kids. We want him to live a long and healthy life. This is why we've started giving him rough greens every morning. The dog food you've been giving your dog, that's the dead food. It doesn't have a lot of nutritional value. Look at it. It's brown food. Have you ever smelled? It's just, mm. but- Green food has nutritional value and rough greens boost Happy's food back to life. It can do the same for your dog. You don't actually have to go out and replace your new dog food. Just sprinkle rough greens on their food every day. It contains all the necessary vitamins and minerals your dog isn't getting from their regular dog food. Happy likes his rough greens. He's a good doggo. He's, again, we want him to be healthy. He's, he's, he, he was groomed yesterday. He was actually like groomed. Like they actually made him look all poofy and cute. He's, he's a cute dog. Rough greens is the only supplement your dog will ask for by name. Rough greens. You get it. Naturopathic doctor, Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is so confident this product will improve your dog's health. He's offering my listeners a free Jumpstart trial bag. Go to freeroughgreens.com slash Ben. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. That's free, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Ben today or call 833-MY-DOG-33. That's 833-MY-DOG-33. Alrighty, time for a thing I like and then a quick thing that I hate. So things that I like today. I don't like this, that, that Megan Fox has body dysmorphia. What I do like is how the media cover body dysmorphia when it is not gender dysphoria. Okay, so body dysmorphia is a feeling of discomfort in your own body and an un- in- inability to see your body as it is. So that sounds a lot like a person saying, I'm a dude in a lady's body or I'm a lady in a dude's body. It's a form of body dysmorphia. It is discomfort with your own body. So here's how the Washington Post covers this. This is a wellness section. And you'll notice there's a wide gap here. Megan Fox spoke in a recent interview about her struggles with body image and the challenges of living under the microscope of Hollywood. I have body dysmorphia, she said. I don't ever see myself the way other people see me. There's never been a point in my life where I loved my body. According to the Washington Post, people with severe body dysmorphia disorder can become reclusive, struggle in relationships, and suffer from other mental health issues, according to experts. We spoke to experts about body dysmorphia, including how to know if you have it and potential treatment options and risks. Here is what they say. So what exactly is body dysmorphic disorder or BDD? It's a mental health condition. It's defined as an obsession with a perceived flaw in physical appearance, one that is usually imperceptible to others. Hmm. Hmm. The disorder can harm people's mental health and self-esteem. Many with body dysmorphia also struggle with anxiety, depression, and even suicidal ideation. Hmm. Sounds, Sounds familiar, does it not? Because as it turns out, gender identity disorder is a form of body dysmorphia. And everyone knows it. And they're lying to you. What causes body dysmorphia? Experts say the disorder typically presents in adolescence. A particularly tough time for young people because all of the changes in their physical appearance. Hmm. Culture can play a role. Hmm. Okay, so. And it's just, so here's the best part. Can body dysmorphia be treated? Body dysmorphia is treatable, though it cannot be cured. Treatment options differ for each patient. But healthcare providers tend to recommend a combination of cognitive behavioral therapies and medication. We try, says one of the doctors, to identify, to teach people to identify what are their thoughts and how they can challenge the distortions in their thinking. Oh, is that what you do? Oh, so you mean that if you're Megan Fox and you're actually quite a beautiful person and you think that you're an ugly person or that there's a flaw in your physical appearance, we try to teach you how you should interrupt that stream of thought and you should tell yourself that maybe you're wrong. This is what... Cognitive behavioral therapy does. It's one of the only clinically proven forms of therapy. I mean, that's what you do when you, when you say that you're, again, a beautiful woman. You don't believe you're a beautiful woman. You actually look in the mirror and you see some, something that, that is not beautiful. But if you're a woman and you look in the mirror and you see a man, you say, I'm in the wrong body. If you say there's a problem with my body, we give you cognitive behavioral therapy. If you say I'm in the wrong body completely and thus I need to add fake breasts and chop off my penis, if you're a man, then we say, grab the, grab the chainsaw. Let's do this thing. This is, and everybody understands, every, 
all the scientists who are pretending, the pseudoscientists who are pretending that transgenderism, that gender dysphoria is not a form of body dysmorphia. They are lying and they know they are lying. This is the part that's truly sick. They've decided to turn an actual mental health condition into a political talking point to slap it on a flag and pretend that it's an identity. It's not helping anybody. In fact, it's hurting an awful lot of people. All right, time for a quick thing that I hate. So um, this is uh, about a few days old, but I think that it's worth commenting on. So Gabrielle Union, who is one of the world's more annoying human beings, she also happens to have transed her, her stepson and pretended that her stepson is a daughter. And she and Dwayne Wade have then pretended they moved out of the state of Florida because of Governor DeSantis, even though they actually have not been living here for like three, four years. Anyway, she seems like kind of a crazy person. And she says that she and Dwayne Wade split their bills 50-50. Here, here's her explanation. She was on a, uh, a podcast, an Instagram called Black Millionaires, and she's being interviewed. And, uh, and here she was explaining how she does her, uh, her financial arrangements with her husband, Dwayne Wade. Did you develop that first sense of security? In this household, we split everything 50-50. But in the other households that each of us have to support, it puts this, there's always this like gorilla on your back that it is like, you better work, you better work. You know, you're gonna sleep in? Mm. You know, somebody might not eat. So she splits her bills with her husband's, with her husband. They don't have like a joint bank account. They split their bills 50-50. That's weird. I mean, that's strange. So as I've said, in my own life, with my immediate family, we are communists. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. That is the way that it works in an immediate family. And my wife and I, we do not earn the same amount of money, not remotely. All that money is our money. It's not just my money. It is our money because we are a couple and we have children. And we put that money in a joint bank account. I have never once looked at my wife and said, are you paying this bill or am I? Because that's a crazy thing to do. When you don't understand how a family is supposed to work, you end up with idiotic pseudo solutions like this. That she pays her, by, by the way, each one of these people is extraordinarily wealthy. So they don't, they clearly don't have to do this. And Gabriel Union is worth tens of millions of dollars. And I believe Dwayne Wade is worth like $100 million. So none of them have to do this. This is a point of principle. Well, let's see how it works out for them long run. This is um, a, a wild way to live your life. Um, but why, what in the, what in the world? Like, I, don't get it. All righty, guys. The rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag if you're not a member. Become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout. Get two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 